so that we can remove some of these emotional obstacles and have a really good understanding of our habits and our behaviors around our money, then we are equipped to actually really start to put in some of the logical practices that need to be in place in order to really manage your money. I'm Krati Mehra, and this is Beyond the Goals podcast. It's my attempt to help you revel in all that life has to offer without pressing pause on your hustle. We learn how to create healthier relationships, a healthier lifestyle, a career that brings us true joy, and a life that satisfies us on every level. Forget the conventional ideas of success and happiness, because we're going to live a life of value and create an impact that speaks to our place in the world. So let's get started. Welcome to episode number 22. I hope you're alert, focused, and ready to learn because today's episode is an important one, especially if you're struggling with debt or wish to create a healthier emotional relationship with your money. Basically, today we are going to begin the journey to financial freedom, and this episode is the perfect first step, and guiding us is Brianna Firestone, a money healer, life coach, and the founder of School of Betty. I think we can all agree that discussing money can be difficult and even triggering for certain people. When it comes to money, no matter how spiritually elevated you are, we all need it to get through life, right? For some of us, money controls how we feel about ourselves, how we show up in our relationships, while for others, it is simply a tool that eases your way. Whichever side you land on, money has a fairly important role to play in our story which makes conversations on this subject just as important. So we need to be real about it without being abrasive or judgmental. Brianna does that wonderfully. Maybe it's because she's been through her own journey. At the age of 23, she was in massive debt, had no idea what a credit score is, was completely out of touch with her money story. And we all have one, don't we? Our money story is formed in our childhood as we observe our parents and other adults interacting with money. It's what shapes our own relationship with it, something we cover during today's episode. So if you're feeling lost and confused, (laughs) Brianna has your back. Brianna Firestone has mastered the art of budgeting. She has healed her relationship with money. She's debt-free and living a life that's firmly in her control. Today, she shares her own story and how we can all live more empowered lives by healing our money mindset, how to be optimistic without losing touch with reality, the easy first step to creating a budget, something I've already implemented, and much more. So without further delay, let's dive in. I've not had too many episodes on the show yet, but I still feel like a discussion related to financial health, related to budget, should have already happened on the show. So I feel it was somewhat remiss of me that I haven't already done a discussion like this before because money is so relevant to living a happy, healthy life. So I'm super duper thrilled that I was able to get someone like you, someone who's as much of an expert on the subject as you are, because I really needed someone who really know what they're talking about and have a story as well, because people who have actually been through the struggles understand them the best, I think. So thank you so much once again (laughs) for being a part of the show. You're so welcome. I'm excited to be here. But before we dive into the interview, can we uh, quickly talk about what it is that you do? Because I know your work goes beyond uh, the technical details of money management or budgeting. It's, you go like deep into the kind of relationship people need to have with money to really have it be a strong point in their life. 
So can we yeah. talk about that first? Yeah. So you nailed it. The foundation of how I teach is what is your relationship with your money? What is your story around your money? And so I start always from that deep emotional level because most of our spending is emotional first. And so um, really trying to unpack those layers so that individuals understand what's at the root, what I call a money wound, what's the thing that's causing them pain instead of just slapping a bandaid on something and saying, here's a budget. And so really how I coach is I really start there so that we can remove some of these emotional obstacles and have a really good understanding of our habits and our behaviors around our money. Then we are equipped to actually really start to put in some of the logical practices that need to be in place in order to really manage your money. And so that's where I start. I, um, I help women eliminate that stress, the emotional stress around their money. I help them create a debt payoff plan so that they're paying off their debt, creating their goals. Um, and that's really where I start. And I'm also a certified life coach because so much of what we're dealing with, it's, it's rarely about the money. It's about our life and things happening. And so that's why it goes deeper because I'm not just going to give you a budget. We want to actually understand your lifestyle and what you want in your life and what are the stressors happening um, so that we can address that and set you up for success. Okay, that's great. But you said like we dive into the emotions that are impacting the money mindset perhaps. But so how, how do we go about that? Mm -hmm. How do we dig into the value system there or the emotional setup of a person? Well, we start first with the story. So what is your story around money? Because the reality is our subconscious mind is developing from the time we're born until seven years old. And we assume that we're just learning how to communicate, walk, talk, receive love, give love. But we don't recognize that based on our household where we're growing up, the adults in our life, we're also taking in how they feel about money, behaviors about money, words about money. And so we have to start with this story because we have beliefs around money and we're not born with beliefs. Right. They are borrowed or given to us. And so we need to start there to actually say, what's the story? What are the beliefs I have around money? And is that true? Do I actually believe that? I'm an adult. I can use discernment and critical thinking. And I, you know, know who I am now as an adult. Do I believe that or do I want something different? And so we start there with the story and then rewriting the story because neuroscience tells us we can rewire, we can, you know, change how we think and how we operate so yeah but if someone were like if someone works with you of course the whole process would become considerably easier for them because you would obviously walk them through the whole thing but if someone were to independently uh, explore those beliefs are there any tools that they can use that would help them absolutely so number one writing your money story i think that's really powerful and when i say write your money story i want someone to explore how did money feel in my household growing up? Did we have a lot? Did we worry about it? Did my parents argue about it? Um, was it, you know, payday came and we had to buy, you know, groceries and everything because we might not have enough at the end of the month. Like I want someone to sit and actually write a narrative around what the money was like growing up. And then I want them to also explore how they felt words that they're using, because once we know that, then we can move forward. That's the foundation. Everyone needs to be able to do that. 
And then as we're moving forward, there are some other key things that individuals can do that are super simple, that are actually going to really change how they interact with their money. Because the reality is we're operating on a lot of money myths. And those money myths, we believe them and they are influencing how we behave. And so one of the money myths that um, that is really prominent is individuals believe that money itself is bad. Right. Money is bad. Money either makes me a bad person because I want more or money causes me stress. And why that's super important to understand and recognize is that our brains want to move us towards pleasure and away from pain. And so if money is a source of stress and pain for you, which is likely that you're probably in avoidance, like you don't want to look at your accounts, you don't want to create a budget or pay your bills. If we associate money as being bad, we are more likely to stay in that avoidance. And the reality is money is going to be part of your life every day for the rest of your life. Absolutely. You have to have a relationship with it. So I always tell my students, you can ignore it, but it knows where you live. It's not like you're going to you know, move past it, the issues you have, if you don't address them will continue. And so one of the ways that you can reframe how you feel about money is that narrative is writing that story and rewriting your emotions, and how you want to feel about money. And that looks like, you know, if money is bad, and never serves me, or I never have enough, let's rewrite that money helps support me live a really great life your brain will believe what you tell it. And so at the very beginning, we have to understand the story and then we have to rewrite, start creating new statements for ourselves around how we want to feel about our money. And as we're doing that, you're going to start to see that interacting with your money isn't such a big deal. It's going to feel less stressful because you're reframing how you actually think about money. Yeah, that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So we can write our story, identify what stands out there, how we feel about money, whether we avoid uh, dealing with money, dealing with the money issues in our life, and then start to rewire those habits, which is, of course, a long process. It takes time to do that. It, It does take time, but there are small actions that we can do consistently that are going to have a huge impact. And I think like most things in our life, when we're trying to create a new habit or change parts of our lives, we automatically make it this really big thing that's going to be super hard. It's like we're standing at the bottom of the mountain looking up and thinking, oh my gosh, how am I ever going to get there? Instead of imagining what it feels like standing on the top, like I've already gotten there. And so I'm going to look back down and see what are, what, what does that journey actually look like for me? And so I always tell my students, you don't have to move the mountain. You just have to start with a step, like a tiny step. And so one of those actions is really looking at your account every day, whether it's a bank account, um, looking at it with curiosity. Because what happens is we'll look at that bank account and we immediately attach all these emotions and judgment. Why did I buy that? Why did I do this? And at the end, you know, that just makes you feel really awful. It doesn't help you feel any better. But if we look with curiosity and, you know, that's just a life trick. If you are feeling a certain emotion and you're not happy about it, if you can be curious and say, oh, that's interesting. I wonder why I feel agitated today. It immediately removes the judgment and allows your brain to actually be open to exploring and going a little bit deeper. And so if we look at our bank accounts every day, 
a minute, five minutes, like literally just opening up the account and looking at it. And you're doing it with curiosity to be like, what did I spend yesterday? What bills came in? Okay, and moving on with your day. No action. That is really powerful because what is uncomfortable is going to become comfortable. So if you've been, if looking at your bank account is really hard, the more you do it, the more comfortable it becomes. But we have to do it in a way that is putting us in the right mindset so that we are not judging ourselves for whatever happened. And all of my students, when they start doing this, the powerful thing about it is it helps us move from this emotional state into more left brain actions. It helps us go into more of a space where we can actually start taking logical actions around our money. But if we don't pay attention to the emotions first, that just stops us. Like we can't move forward. And so that's actually step two that I always recommend to my students. We want to actually start doing that slowly because you're going to notice by week two, it's not a big deal anymore. And you're probably going to find money. You're probably going to see memberships you paid for and forgot to cancel before the, you know, the free 30 days was up, or you might recognize that bill looks really high. That's not accurate. And so it puts us in this position of power because we have knowledge around those habits and we're seeing them. And knowledge is power when it comes to our money because so much of the stress we feel is in the not knowing. I don't feel confident knowing how to manage my money. I don't really know what's in my account. I don't know when these bills are going to hit my account. I don't know if I'm going to be able to buy my groceries or, you know, pay my rent the next month. That is all not knowing, which just creates this feeling of insecurity and stress. And so if we can slowly get in the know, it totally changes the game for us. And you have something to work with finally, instead of just mindlessly panicking, you have steps to take. Yeah, I mean, so many individuals, you know, especially when it comes to debt, they don't want to look at the total debt number. It's not helpful at all, right? Because so much of what we worry about when it comes to debt is when am I going to pay it off? And if we don't look at it, we're never going to know when we can actually pay it off. If we don't have a relationship with our money, we're never going to know how much extra we can put towards that debt. And so for so many of my students, they are terrified to actually put their debt numbers down and add it up. And I just encourage everyone to rip that Band-Aid off and do it because it's going to feel painful in the moment. But if we go towards delayed gratification, there is going to be an immense sense of relief. Once you see the numbers, it's like, oh, okay. Like you're probably not happy with them. You don't love them. But seeing it puts you in a place, again, of power and that you can actually start to pop some numbers in a calculator and see how long it's going to take you off. And just having that plan and just knowing that is enough to just help in an individual actually not obsess about the debt and actually move into a space where they're, where they're making progress on it and moving it forward. Yeah, and maybe that would be the beginning of a better relationship with money as well. The fear might just fall away. Yeah, well, I love I love that you said that. So one of the biggest tricks I think that an individual can do is to literally think about your money as a relationship you care about, a human relationship you care about. Now, it sounds really weird when I say that out loud, 
But when you think about relationships you care about, it could be a sibling, a best friend, it could be a romantic relationship, it doesn't matter, whatever resonates to you. But there are things that we do in those relationships inherently when we care about someone. So that looks like you spend time with them. You say nice things about them. They are there to support you. You trust that they're always going to be there for you and they've got your back. You know they want you to live a really great, beautiful life, right? You look for them when you're about to meet them and you're excited to see them. These things that we do in relationships, we can apply to our money. We can spend time with our money. We can check that bank account every day and we can have a money date every week, 15 to 30 minutes where we actually spend time with our money, where we actually build an intimate relationship where we know what money's coming in and what's going. I always tell my students, you should never be surprised by something hitting your bank account because you have that close of a relationship with your money. So spend time with them. Say nice things about your money. So that goes back to the story and the words we're using about our money. If you're saying awful things about money, you're not going to feel great when you're dealing with it. So start talking about your money like it's something you really care about and is supporting you. Like money's always there to support me. Um, Money flows easily and always comes back to me. Money is fun. Like whatever it is for you that connects, rewrite those and say nice things about it. Look for money. I love to give this this tip because when we are in a space where money doesn't feel good, and, and our brains are wired naturally as humans to kind of go towards the negative, right? So we're kind of fighting against this on our daily lives to stay in this positive mindset. In our lives, we're gonna we're gonna find what we're looking for. And so when it comes to money, If you are considering money that's stressful and it never serves you, you never have enough, you are looking for all the ways to prove that out. In your daily life, you are looking for all the ways money, you never have enough money, it never supports you. But if you reframe your brain and think differently and you're like, I'm going, it's very much a gratitude abundance mindset. Money serves me and helps me live a really great life. You're going to start to see all of the ways that money supports you and helps you live a great life. And that's really important because we have the power to really influence our life. And a lot of that comes with what we're looking for, right? It's kind of like when you, um, you know, it's like reticular activation system. You can get really nerdy about it when it comes to neuroscience. But when all of a sudden you decided you want to buy you know, that luxury car, and then you just see them everywhere, right? It's like, because you were looking for it. And all of a sudden, it's like, you're, you're allowing that into your sphere to see that as a possibility. And so look for money and look for all the ways it's supporting you is super, super powerful. And a gratitude practice. I mean, that is, you know, especially even if you're in a space where money is super stressful, right? We have to recognize that there are, there are probably going to be moments in your life or you might have had an experience where it is legit like you were trying to pay your rent and keep a roof over your head. That's very real. And it's not to say we want to we want to bypass the, the tough emotions that you're probably experiencing in your life. That's not the point. But I always tell my students, you know, if they're like, I, I was able to pay a bill, but I couldn't pay it in full. And I'm just like, but that's abundance. 
you were able to pay that much towards the bill. And there's someone who couldn't even like pay a penny towards it. So that's abundance. And it will feel hard at first because we're just wired to be like, this is, this is crappy. Like it's not fun. And like, I don't have enough. And part of that's in our world, especially if you identify as a woman, we're often told that we don't have enough when we're not enough. I mean, marketing everywhere says you need more of everything, right? Especially if you're on social media, everything, everything, everything is all about the show and the, the pretense. And unless it looks fancy, it's just not good enough. So I think that is massive yeah. oh my gosh it's so true yeah well, I'll, I'll uh, you know correct me if I'm wrong and I'll try to make sense with this because this confuses me a lot like I totally believe what you're saying like about of course the subconscious matters of course the story matters I'm someone who is deeply invested in emotional well-being so this comes up a lot a lot in my work but the thing I've noticed is when it comes to money especially I've noticed like I have uh, friends who have this super optimistic mental space about money they believe that they are magnets for money. But somehow, when you look at their life, their relationship is incredibly unhealthy. They may not see it. Like, they're in debt, but they're optimistic about it. Like, they're gonna, everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to be fine. Like, like, they're in this fluffy-headed space where they're not realizing that, you know, there's a possibility that it may not be fine because of the massive debt you have and the non-existence of a plan here. But they're very optimistic. So they probably picked up stories growing up that told them that everything's going to be fine. But their value system or how they're choosing to live their life doesn't match that. Uh, am, I, am I making sense? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. You're totally making sense. I mean, that is, well, you said something really powerful, which I think everyone should do. And all my students do that. And that is write your values for your life know what your values are because at any moment you can look at your spending and say, is my spending in alignment with my values for my life? And it's going to be the easiest filter for you to be like, oh, it's not like I need to get back on track. And it's going to be something that will help you when you put money aside for the vacation to not feel guilt about that because travel and experiencing different cultures is one of your values, right? And so that's a super powerful exercise. I think what you're what you're saying is really important because especially in the age that we're in where it's like, you know, positive mindset, just, you know, think it and it will happen. Um, you know, we're still we still have to take action towards things. Absolutely. And living in this cloud space to just be like, well, I believed it. I'm going to manifest it and it's going to come um, is just not responsible as a human, right? Like we have to, I believe in being a magnet and, you know, powerful mindset. And I personally do not teach manifestation, but I know others do. Um, I, I want you to dream big. Yes. Let's set the dream so we can actually start knowing where we're going because when we don't have that dream, we don't, we can't take the steps to get there because we don't, it's like the GPS, like we don't know where we're going, right? So if you haven't identified what you want your life to look like in a year or five years, you're probably not going to move your money to get there. And so if someone's like, this is the lifestyle I want to live, we still have to take care and actually moving our money in a way that supports that. And I think a lot of individuals are in this ignorance is bliss, beautiful avoidance of, well, I've got the car, I've got the big house. 
And we as individuals around believe it. We're like, well, they've got the car. They've got the big house. They must be good with their money. Yeah. Yeah. When none of that has anything to do with your actual relationship with it. Right. And unfortunately, it's probably going to be a moment of things crumbling before it is like the aha, because, you know, as humans, we often don't make change in our lives or significant change unless it gets really painful. Yeah, true. That's true. Unless we really have to make a change, we just will keep on going. We'll stay in the struggle because sometimes often the struggle is comfortable. Yeah. It's what we're used to. Yeah, it's familiar. It's it's safe. Yeah, yeah I, I do I do believe that. I think it isn't up to on this doesn't just apply to people who are in debt. I think this applies to everyone, even if you're not in debt, how you're using that money, what your value values allow you to do with that money also matters because what's true today may not be true 10 years down the line. Totally. So your optimism may keep you in a happier space, but the optimism may not necessarily keep you safe. Yes. Or it may not bring you, or even if you are successful, I think it matters the relationship you have with money the, on a practical, you know, in, in a ground reality way matters because maybe you're capable of a lot more and your mindset is just holding you back. Totally. I mean, I always, I always say too that this is a myth. People believe if I just make more money, all my financial problems will be solved. And that's just not true because if you can't manage $2,000, you're not going to be able to manage $200,000. Absolutely. And energetically, we can look at that and say, if I can't manage $2,000 and in my life, I want to call in this abundance or in my business, I want to call in this abundance. There's a big money block there because probably at the root in your self-belief, you know, you can't manage it. And we have to remember that money is a thing. And I always say it's like a sock, right? A sock cannot keep your do its job, which is to keep your feet warm, unless you, the human, put the sock on. Absolutely. So money cannot help you live a really beautiful life and support you in the life you want to live unless you move it yeah. in the way that it's going to support you. And so I always use the example, you could decide at 30 years old, you're going to put $25 a month or yeah, 25, no, 25 bucks a week into a, um, a jar on your counter, right? And you, and at 65, you're going to have about $45,500. Cool. You could take that same amount of money, $25 a week and put it in a Roth IRA at 30 years old at 65, you're going to have over $177,000, same amount of money, different move. Yeah. Yeah. And so you're totally right when we're in this abundance or money just will come. There's beauty in that. However, we also are at risk of not leveraging the wealth and the money that we have, right? You could have a ton of money sitting in a low interest bank account and you actually don't even need that much for an emergency fund. And you've got this big old bucket of money that could actually be making money somewhere else to help you get to some of these big goals. And the biggest thing that I think individuals need to recognize, because it kind of gets to this comparison, it's not cookie cutter. Your goals are very different from your friends. How you want to live your life, if you want to retire early, if you want to travel for three months. And so we can't, we have to stop comparing ourselves to individuals and what they see and what they bought. They're like, oh, they bought a brand new luxury car or a boat. And it's like, well, do you even want those things? Are those even important to you? Because yeah. all of a sudden you're like, I want that. You're like, do you? Like, is that really 
important to you or do you want to go travel for three months, which was your original goal? And so when we can recognize that and understand that, it helps us not judge others for moving their money however they want to. Yeah. And can we also please put it out there that not everybody's going to, and very rarely do people actually tell you all that they do with their money to grow it. Right. So what you right. see on Instagram yeah. is like barely the surface. You have no idea what this person is doing with their money, how they're moving it. So I think it's silly to base how you, your actions on someone else's ideas and plans. Totally. But that's, I mean, that's what we do. And it can just lead to a lot of embarrassment and shame or just like not feeling great about your current situation. And, you know, you are where you are. And the reality is most of us grow up learning how to make money and spend it. We rarely learn how to actually like manage our money. We rarely learn the skills that are needed to actually interact with our money and move it in a way that works for us. Um, You know, or besides like intense algebra or calculus or something, right? That's not, that's not helping us in our daily life, balancing a checkbook or, you know, whatever your money source is. So true. And now I want to ask you this one thing, like I find it very challenging and I don't have any perfect answers for it. I've never been able to give one to anyone. So I read on your website, like you, you said, I believe that everyone is one good habit away from a badass life and that we give money way too much control over our lives. Yeah. 100% true. We do give money way too much control of our lives, but I don't know how to like start a process with people where I could move them away from that structure where everything in your, especially for people who have families and who have like a nine to five that, that doesn't offer too much job security. How do you help these people build a life that isn't all about money? That it's a very challenging thing to do considering the society we live in. Mm. Oh my gosh. That's such a great question. So number one, it goes back to your values and your vision. You have to know what that is because if you don't, you will naturally go towards the, I don't have enough and I need more. Yeah. You won't ever sit in that space of feeling really confident about what you do have. And, and that vision doesn't have to be some crazy, I want a mansion and like, you know, a jet. I find a lot of my students are like, I actually really like my life right now. Like, I don't, I don't want to be a CEO. I, I, my salary is fine. I'm like, amazing, beautiful. Like, let's lock that in. You're like living the dream right now. Right. And so I think it's really important for number one, we have to understand where we want to go and what's important to us because then money comes in to help us do that. And we have to recognize that yes, money is a thing. And it cannot take on an emotion unless we give it one. And that's what we do a lot. That's how we give, that's how we allow money to have power over us. Because when we look at just that, you know, habit loops or how our thoughts are impacting things, the reality is we have a thought. And when we have that thought as humans, we love to attach an emotion to it. When really everything is neutral. Right. But we love to attach an emotion to it. Those emotions influence our actions and those actions get us our results. And then those results reaffirm that first thought that we have. And so if we look at this with money, I never have enough. Money never serves me. If that's my thought, it's likely I'm attaching emotions of stress and fear and money is not good. I don't like dealing with it. 
My actions are probably around, I'm not really looking at my bank account um, or I'm I'm spending money the minute I get it because I don't feel confident with it, right? And so those actions are leading to my results, which is at the end of the month, I'm still in that paycheck to paycheck cycle or feeling that lack. And that reaffirms my belief that money does not support me and I never have enough. Right. Now, change the thought. Money is there to support me. I always have enough. Money is fun. It's likely my emotions around money are like light, lighter hearted. Like I don't feel stressed out about it. I feel maybe excitement around dealing with my money. And then my actions are probably like, I'm looking at my bank account. I'm running a budget. I feel really confident in that exchange with money. And so my results are probably, I'm living within my means. I'm moving my money in a way that works for me. And that reaffirms my thought that money is always there for me and I have enough. And so we have to start thinking about money as, like I said, a relationship you care about. Makes sense. If, if you think about a partner, you're, you're on the journey together. You make decisions together. You're on the you're on the journey together, and so often what people do is they like here's my life and here's this thing money. It's like we got to pull it in a little bit because you're never going to get into this space where you understand and know in your being that money is actually a tool for you to help you live your life. It's a tool, right? You control it. You control it, and we also decide the value. That's another thing I think a lot of individuals don't understand or recognize is that money has a number on it, but the value you place on that number based on what you're buying looks very different, right? You could want to buy a designer handbag and someone else doesn't see the value in that. So the $100 sale is like, that's, that's not worth it. Absolutely. And so when we understand those things, we can actually start to move into a space where we see money as our partner. And so all of the things we've talked about so far, we have to start layering those on and start to do them. Because then you're going to start to recognize how your habits are with money. You can also just track your spending for a week. And when I say track your spending, actually pay attention to your emotions around your money. Because odds are, It could be that interaction with your boss that stresses you out and all of a sudden you're online shopping or you just get home and you're so exhausted energetically, you can't even cook the food that you'd already bought. So these things in our life, what I call hashtag life, these things that are happening, they are influencing how you use your money because we are often using them as a celebration or a coping mechanism. Right. So how we feel about ourselves also comes into the whole structure. Totally. Yeah. It, 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 it all boils down to when you keep going to the root of it for a lot of individuals is self-worth, right? If someone is spending a lot, this is, this is my story, right? I, you know, by the time I was 24, I had $30,000 in credit card debt. Like that's just insane. It's insane that credit card companies gave me that credit. Let's start there. That's pretty, that's pretty nuts. But um, at the reality is you have to stop and pause to say, what am I, what hole am I trying to fill? Yeah. Right. Because if we have behaviors that feel compulsive, that we aren't able to control, um, there is often an underlying root or something that we're trying to help ourselves feel better. And that just happens to be the mechanism that we're using, right? It could be money. It could be shopping. It could be food. Um, it could be any of those different things. Um, 
but usually there's something deeper that is, you know, that's, that's what we're trying to just relieve the hurt and the pain, whatever it is. Yeah. Like on a, on a humorous note, how people always say the guys who drive shiny red sports cars are <laughs> trying to compensate for something. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's not to say that we can't, you know, I want everyone to understand that you can buy things and feel happy and you can buy things and like know you're doing it in celebration or know you're doing it to make yourself feel better. The difference is that you're aware of it. Yeah. So having mindfulness when it comes to in your life in general, but especially with your money, it's pretty profound when people start to look at that and they're like, oh, I, I see some trends here with my habits and they're all tied around just things happening in your life. Um, that is a great example that you just gave. <laughs> I, I think that was politically incorrect. <laughs> that might be offensive to a lot of people. <laughs> Like, okay, maybe you have if you have a sports car because it's that easy for you to buy, or you have a sports car, it you like took out took a massive debt to buy a sports car. Then you should think about why you did it because a sports car is not for anyone. Is that a mandatory purchase? <laughs> yeah, and it's like what you're willing to bear, right? We love to say debt is bad. We love to just you know attach those things. Um, yes, there are certain forms of debt that cost you more money and don't look good on your credit. But we will spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on a house. That's debt, but we don't judge ourselves yeah. for it. Of course, yeah. that debt is actually an investment that's making money, whereas a car literally loses the money the minute you drive it off You know, the lot. It's depreciating. It's never going to gain value. Um, but you just have to know what that means for you. It could be someone chose to live in an apartment or live in a smaller house because they wanted the like fancy sports car and that's yeah. worth it to them. And I also, I think, and I hope, I think you've just given people permission to be okay with less ambitious plans because every time you ask someone, what do you want to do? What's your next five-year plan? Like I see it on their faces. They want to say something very impressive. Why is that so necessary? <laughs> your plan could yeah. keep doing that nine to five and just do that till you retire. There's nothing wrong with that. I know. Not everyone wants to be an entrepreneur. Not everyone wants to be a CEO. Not everyone wants to travel the world. Like there are all these things that are just in our sphere. And so we feel that's what we should want. And actually writing your vision is one of the hardest exercises for most of my students because they either feel the pressure to write something big or they don't feel the permission to write something big, right? They feel like I should be happy with what I have now. That is so true. You just, like, you've really touched on the pulse here. That's such a huge, huge thing now. Like, you're not allowed to complain because, oh, look at all these people who don't have, who have less than you do. Yeah. Th that doesn't mean you don't get to feel your pain. You don't get to process it in whatever time period, whatever way you need to do that. Yeah, you, yeah, totally true. And we can want more. We can want more with our lives. And, you know, money is not something that if I have more than that means you have less. It's just not how it works. And we we believe that. And so we feel bad. If I want more money, because there are people suffering in the world, they're going to suffer more. And so I always want people to recognize that money itself does not make you a bad human. Money will amplify who you are, your core. 
Absolutely. Right. Perfect. Yeah. I, I know exactly what I would do if I got like won the lottery and like, you know, I, I'm a giver. I would love to do that. Yeah. I would love some luxuries as well, but you know, because everyone will take a few people who have a lot of wealth and let's face it, do not give back to their communities or circulate that wealth in a way that feels good. And I have to remind them that that money just amplifies who they were when they didn't have the yeah. money. I agree 100%. Yeah, I mean, I know most people who are living in my space, at least, if they got money, one of the things they would want to do is like, how do I give that back to my community and help? Like, how do I how do I use this for good? And I know they're, I'm going to make a broad statement, say the majority of people, at least this is what I want to believe in my heart, feel that way. And we allow these few individuals who um, hoard a lot of wealth and don't circulate it or don't take care of their employees um, to just kind of color our vision, change our vision of what that is. So, you know, money's just a thing. Don't give it so much power that it's like, I get this thing and it makes me a bad human because that will stop you in other things. That will stop you from asking for the raise that you know you deserve because, you know, that's part of your path. It will stop you um, for negotiating. Like there are just so many things that it'll um, kind of get in your way if you believe that if I accumulate more wealth, I'm not a good person. Okay. Um, that was awesome. <laughs> Everything you've shared, because there's so much to learn from all of it and so much to build on. I think you've just given people a process to, to start. I think that's, um, thank you for that. But if you were to share something more practical to help people uh, maybe create a budget or to get more serious with their money, how can they do that? Yeah. Oh, I love that. So first I want to say that budget, a budget is not a diet. We associate budget as meaning I can't buy a latte. I can't spend anything. And that's not what it is. We want to disassociate from that definition because we're looking for sustainability. Hardcore diets where you're just in the sacrifice all the time, don't you can't sustain it. Like they won't go long term. And so I want individuals to think of a budget as really just a money flow. It gives them guide rails. It's kind of like when you time block your calendar during the week, people assume that's really rigid. But really what it does is if something pops up you want to do, you can clearly see the thing you're willing to let go of in order to make it happen. So a budget same way we allocate money towards things and then if something pops up and we want to buy the thing or go on the go to the restaurant or whatever we want to do we can clearly look through our budget and say what am i willing to move around in order to make that happen it just puts us in a space of power and so there are there are um, three big buckets that i always want individuals to pay attention to when it comes to creating a very simple budget the first bucket is what I call fixed expenses. And what I mean by fixed, um, I do not mean that they don't change. What I mean by fixed is they are a requirement for your survival. Maslow's hierarchy needs basic security and survival, right? So your rent or mortgage, groceries, if you need a car to get to your job, gas to get to your job your phone. So all, you know, health insurance, whatever it is, it's a basic, you know, at the root, if something really shifted in my life, these are the things I need to know that I can take care of to survive. Right. 
So list all of those and then add those up because I want you to understand the totals for each of the buckets because that's really powerful too. The next one is your minimum debt payment. So if you have debts, credit card debt, student loans, I want you to put the minimum payment and know that total. And the reason why I say minimum is because for individuals in the US or Canada, that is going towards their credit score. So paying your minimum payment on time is 35% of your credit score. Okay. So if we can, if, if we have a major financial situation and 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 we want to stay good on our credit, we need to know what those minimum payments are. And then the third bucket are your variable expenses. Those are the nice to haves. Maybe it's your gym membership. Maybe it's your haircuts. Like um, maybe it's, you know, other music services, whatever it is, you get to decide what is variable and add those up. So you're going to have three buckets. You're going to know the totals and you're going to add all of those together. And so when you look at your income coming in every month and you see your totals, you're going to, you, you have three opportunities, you have three results that can happen. Right. You can have money left over, you can hit zero, or you can have negative and knowledge is power. All of those numbers are just new data. And so if it's a negative number or if it's zero and you're like, Ooh, I want more cushion. The first place you can go to are your variable expenses. Those are the ones that you're going to have the most wiggle room to make a decision around. And then if that still doesn't work, we can start making bigger decisions around like, maybe I need to find her a cheaper apartment or here's the reality. We can make more money. We can spend less or we can do both. Right. Those are our options. Right. And so most of us immediately think, how do I cut expenses? And we forget to think, I don't know, maybe I can create a side hustle that would be super fun and would allow me to make more money. Maybe I can ask for that raise. And so I want people to understand, yes, we can slim our expenses, but don't forget the power of actually opening your brain to think, how do I bring in more money? If this is the lifestyle I want to live. How do I make that happen? Yeah, true. So those are, that's the basic of just creating a simple budget. It doesn't have to be rocket science. It's just knowing, like, because most individuals don't know that total number. And so it's really hard to know, can I change jobs and take a pay cut? Can I afford this apartment? And they have those questions because they don't actually know what their living expenses look like. They don't, they don't have an understanding. Worst case scenario, this is how much money I need to bring in. But once we know those, knowledge is power. We're in a powerful position to be able to make decisions for our life. I think I'm going to do it because just knowing exactly where your money's going, where it's coming from, like having with these three buckets, I think you would know exactly what's going on with your money. I think that would be pretty powerful. And you said something very, like very um, true that if we, we finally identify that, okay, you know what, if I want to live this lifestyle, I need to make more money maybe your the wheels will start moving and you'll suddenly come up with ideas to make more or maybe that would be the start of something new in your life yeah i mean like, that's exciting full of betty my company was a side hustle it started as a side hustle and it was something that just brought me a lot of joy i loved doing it and so i mean we are just in a technology age we're doing those things is so much easier it's so much easier to create a side hustle if you want to Um, Or you like, maybe you don't want to, you're like, I just want to get a cheaper apartment and that's totally fine. But the thing that I want everyone to recognize is that you all of a sudden know, you know, 
you know your number you know and you've more awareness about things that were that were once upon a time so intimidating to you i think that's a pretty powerful move yeah. and talking about the school of berry can we please talk about because you have like a lot of programs on offer yeah how you can help people people can work with you i would like them like for them to know because i think uh this interview is a is an example of that fact that you are someone great to i've so far only read your articles and listened to your interviews but as i said in in the initial part of the interview you are someone very relatable so definitely someone people can work with i think they can approach for help so uh what are the the things that are on offer yeah. on your website well, thank you for that so i like you said i write articles pretty much every week um i write articles for other outlets as well but i want to provide advice that is easily accessible on my website so if you're a person who just doesn't have extra money to put towards something start with the free content either there on instagram i have students who pay off followers i call them my betties who pay off thousands of dollars of debt just using the tips i'm giving to them for free so there's never any pressure to like join into a class or anything always start there because you might surprise yourself by how much you can actually do and then i have just um some small offerings to get you started so breaking up with broke is really this little mini course that gives you some money mindset talks about emotions and money and then takes you through how to create a budget using um one of my excel tools that's my most popular one for my students um and i i do not sell budget tools separate from actually teaching money mindset and that's really important because as i said earlier it all starts with your mindset and your emotions when we just take a logical approach and you know start a budget this is what happens when you can stick to it for like 20 days and then you go off track. It's because you didn't address any of the underlying things that are actually at the root of it. And so it's really important to me that even if you're buying, you know, a tiny product, a mini class that you're actually getting some of that. You can do the 90-day money breakthrough, which is teaching you in a deeper level around emotions, your mindset around your money. I take you through budgeting, but we also go through debt elimination. So I teach you how to create a debt elimination plan. Or for someone who's like I want more interaction, I want to be in a group of other like-minded individuals who identify as women who are all working towards the same goal. Fierce Finances is my 8-week program. I run it maybe 3 to 4 times a year, and that's where we're going through my methodology which you'll get in 90-day money breakthrough, but we package that with a group call every week. And that's super powerful because for so many of my students, it is the first time they can actually talk freely in a safe open space about their money right. that's judgment free right and you know power community is super powerful and when you can hear another individual being coached and you're like oh my gosh that's me too i identify with that it has a really powerful impact and so you're going through to change your money game while you have this great community the support of me as your money healer and we are actually you know a cheer squad right so you feel super supported as you're going through this um change so we do all of those things debt elimination and then we start to go into some more future things like retirement basics how you need to move your money for savings um really creating a roadmap and a plan so there there are different price points different time commitments i feel that i have a little bit of something for everyone but my main thing to say is you know go on the website download the freebie 
Um, start with the free stuff because if that gets you moving in the right direction and gets you the success you want, that makes me happy because you know my mission is to impact millions of women to really feel confident around their money game. And you know if that means a free download and some blog posts did that for you, rock and roll. Then I'm like doing my job. <laughs> and and I'll add my testimony to that. That can happen with your content because your content is very much on point. Thank you. So definitely. I will share all of these links. I'll share my favorite articles as well with my audience. Uh, uh, but apart from all of this, are there any books or podcast episodes you recommend people read or listen to so that they can grow their own uh, knowledge base? Oh, yeah. I love, um, j- there's so many money books that you can read. I love Jen Sincero's book, um, I'm a Badass at Money. I think it's so fun and powerful and it has like fun little, um, you know, actionable items, right? We want to do the mindset, but I also want you to have some actions that you can actually take to start moving forward. Um, You can go on the School of Betty, um, Betty in the Press, and there are tons of like articles that I've written for Mind Body Green, Reader's Digest, um, other podcasts. And I also, for most individuals, I want them to think about books that are just beyond money that are about that are about mindset. And so another really good one is The Big Leap by Gay Hendricks. And it's just all about upper limit beliefs because it doesn't have to be money specific. If you're starting to read and learn things around personal development and your mindset, it is pos- it's going to positively impact your money because you are starting to think differently about your life. And if you can start thinking in a way that is geared more towards a positive, expansive mindset and less towards a negative, um, closed mindset, that's going to be a game changer. You're going to take in information differently. Yeah, absolutely. That's true. Okay. And now for the big question, like I I saved this question for the end. If there was only one tip you could give uh, to the audience, the people listening to this episode, only one tip, keeping in mind the super busy lifestyle everyone has built for themselves, what would that one tip be that could help them enhance their life? The one tip? Yeah. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I would say having a money date every week. Okay. It, it, it sounds really mundane and not super fun, but if we don't build that really, if you were dating someone and you just chose to ignore them for two months, you probably wouldn't go on another date. They probably don't want to date you, right? So remember, we have to think of our money as a relationship we care about and we have to spend time with our money. When we spend time with individuals, we get to know them and we show them we care about them. And so that is like the number one thing because you will, your life will get sweep you away and it will be the thing you don't want to pay attention to when it should be the priority because it's at the foundation of really helping you and supporting you to live a really great life. And so check that bank account every day and and schedule 15 to 30 minutes a week where you're just doing a deeper dive and paying bills. Like maybe that's when you pay your bills every week and maybe you're packaging it with something fun on the back end, right? Maybe that's the day you go out to eat or you're going to go meet some friends you know, when we can do that freely outside of this pandemic, but maybe that's, maybe that's when, you know, you do the money date and then you're rewarded by something you really enjoy that connection. Your brain is going to start to recognize, Oh, when we do this, we get rewarded with this. It's just helping you rewire and create new habits. Your brain doesn't know if it's good or bad for you. Right. So that's really important to know. But if we start to associate that money date with something really fun afterwards, it's going to be easy for you to do it. And I dare I say you'll actually start to enjoy it. 
Yeah. My students are shocked by like week two. They're like, I'm actually excited to look at my budget. What kind of weird vortex am I in right now? <laughs> I'm going to do it because I also don't really have a budget. So I'm definitely going to do this. Everything you've shared. So that was Brianna Firestone. And I am so glad to have had her on this show. If you want the list of resources mentioned in this episode, you can get it on my website, redefinednarrative.com. Search for the podcast episode and there should be a list of resources and links for you to explore. And if you want to get in touch with our guest, the page will have all their relevant information. Now, if you found today's episode useful, please rate and review the show on iTunes or share it on Instagram. It will help others find the information should they need it. Remember to tag me at mehra underscore krapi so that I can thank you for your time. And if there is any particular issue or concern you would like for me to cover on the show, reach out to me on Instagram or use the contact page on my website. That's it for today. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back next week. Till then, please do take care of yourself. Thank you.